0: Welcome to another episode of Rewired Podcast. I'm Bailey. And I'm Kelly. And today we're talking about technology in The Wire. It's,
1: I think, a really important part of the series, especially with how quickly things have changed in the uh, 10, 15 years since The Wire was on TV.
0: Yeah, we talked about it a little bit in our last episode about serial, um, about how different the case of Adnan and hey Min Lee would look now versus then, in the early 2000s. Um, and when you think about it, like there, there is so much of our daily lives now that were not there 15 years ago.
1: Right, and a lot of technology that even existed at the time showcased in other television series that um, The Wire just didn't make a part of their plot.
0: Yeah. So
1: there's an article from The Atlantic. It's by John Hendel. And the title is, 10 years after its premiere, The Wire feels dated, and that's a good thing. And his subtitle is, The HBO show is a valuable artifact from the post-911, pre-social media revolution era.
0: And we should say this uh, article was written in 2012. Right.
1: So even more has changed since 2012. But I think he's picking up on the point that The Wire existed in a really slim time frame, Pre-social media, but really just on the cusp, um, and especially getting mm-hmm. more and more into cell phones being commonplace. Right,
0: and I think it was a time too when technology was still new enough that it was inaccessible, like it was so expensive. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Whereas now technology seems, um, like less commodified or something somehow. Yeah, like it's like easier. Ubiquitous. access. Everybody has. Yeah, everybody has
1: access now. So. Um, but let's go back a little bit, um, and look at the tradition of crime fiction in terms of literature and how it's analyzed. So, Mm. um, I'm going to read just a section from an essay that, uh, discusses analysis of crime fiction and specifically in relation to structuralism. And it says, the crime story contains two stories. The first is the story of the crime and the second is the story of its investigation. Hmm. This observation is an important one for this study, which similarly contains two stories. So I think that's a good way to kind of frame our conversation today. Crime fiction, which we can say that The Wire is, has both the story of the investigation and the story of the crime. So when we're talking about technology, let's talk about both of those sides.
0: And that, so that kind of harkens back to the days of like, Sherlock Holmes, like some of the really great crime fiction where you were following the story of the detective, but also the story of the criminal. Yeah, a classic
1: whodunit, and The Wire is maybe a little bit different in that it doesn't have the same sense of mystery, but it does definitely play with a lot of that uh, detective fiction tropes. Interesting. One thing that I think is kind of interesting to note when we're looking at technology on the side of the law is that CSI came out in the year 2000 so even predates the wire and it's such a complete contrast between the technology that you see in something like CSI and something that you see in the wire um, which in episode one we see Kima complaining that the Baltimore Police Department is still using typewriters.
0: That's crazy because I think if you hadn't Told me that CSI came out before The Wire, I would have assumed that The Wire came out way before CSI. Yeah, you would think so because CSI
1: is all about lab work and Luma lights and fingerprints, and we see very little of that in The Wire, like, really, not much term like in terms of crime scene tech.
0: Yeah, I mean I think the most like crime scene techie quote unquote scene that we see early on certainly is that classic scene where Bunk and McNulty go to the apartment and all they say is fuck for like the whole time. That's a great scene. It's a great scene. I almost think that we should listen to it but then at the same time you won't get anything out of it because the visuals are
1: so important.
0: Yeah, exactly. So everyone should just go back and rewatch that scene. Um, But, uh, and then even later on when Lester and Lester discovers that Marlo's putting the bodies in the vacants in season four, even then we see them laying out all the bodies for crime tech analysis basically in like a high school gym or like a community center or something. Right. Yeah, and it's, Partly this
1: lack of technology that lets McNulty get away with his charade in season five, the mm-hmm. fake serial murders. The only reason he's able to plant this evidence and kind of fiddle with the bodies in the way that he does is because those crime scenes are, compared to something like CSI, really not being worked to the the full potential.
0: Right. And thinking about crime fiction and that, you know, the double view of the view of the crime and the view of the investigation. For me, CSI and The Wire are basically on the opposite spectrum, like the opposite ends of the spectrum in every possible way. Like, CSI is very obvious. Mm-hmm. It's kind of in your face. Mm-hmm. I feel like you hate CSI for I, all the
1: reasons that I hate Breaking Bad.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, and I, I hated CSI. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been able to sit through an entire episode because it's like, witty banter repartee, like back and forth, and it's so over the top. And, you know, they always solve the crime, and it's always a, it's it's like a grown-up version of Scooby-Doo, where it's like, I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for yeah, rascally kids
1: or that's, whatever. That's a good analogy, the Scooby-Doo one. That's one of the things that makes CSI easy viewing, I guess, for the general public, and yeah. probably why it blew up so as much as it did was because everything gets solved in forty three minutes and Exactly. Um it's just it's a lot easier than they make it a lot easier in CSI than I think it is in real life. Especially when it's a police department underfunded like Baltimore.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Where yeah, and like so then the wire kind of becomes this cult classic because first of all not everybody got HBO for mm-hmm. one thing. Um, but also it was like so not obvious and there's so many layers. I'm, I'm going to read from a, somebody's blog and we'll put
1: the link in our show notes but it's an, it's a blog entry called The Wire versus CSI and uh, this person quotes an Australian writer who says The Wire was too dense and confusing and the profane street dialogue was desperately in need of subtitles and a glossary. And I feel like that's a really good example of why the Wire is so inaccessible compared to something like CSI, where they yeah. just, they want these kind of clever little puns and yeah. um, a lot of flash and, like, all, all attractive people in the show.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that quote is exactly the reason why I hated CSI. Yeah. Like, it was just so, there was there was no depth to it at all.
1: Well, and I'm probably going to, Bush the statistic, but after CSI came out, the first couple years after when it was really, really popular enrollment in forensics as a post-secondary degree went up by some crazy amount. Um,
0: Yeah, actually, I I feel like I, I, because I took criminology, but I had enrolled the the year before CSI came out. mm -hmm. So I started like a couple of, like just, and you only needed a 64% to get into my program. And then the (laughs) next year it jumped up to like an 85 average. I squeaked right in, I was lucky.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, and I feel like if people were watching The Wire, would they be inspired to join the Baltimore police force? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Yeah. But so another great moment of technology from the side of the investigation is when um, Herc and Carver are so limited in terms of their resources that they make up a confidential informant so that they can use a microphone. And in classic Wire fashion, it all just goes a little bit sideways when the tennis ball gets run over. Right.
0: Fuzzy Dunlop. Yeah,
1: Fuzzy Dunlop. Their $2,000 microphone is destroyed. Mm -hmm. Um, And meanwhile, departments like CSI seem to have unlimited resources for that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, they were doing, like, that super glue glow test all the time Mm -hmm. to, you know, to look for fingerprints. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I think there is a scene in The Wire where... um, and I I can't remember exactly when it was, but they're bunks on a on a murder scene, and they're waiting for the, the the crime tech van to show up, and there's only one for the whole city. And uh, it turns out that the mayor had had his patio furniture stolen the night before. So one of the other detectives says to bunk like, "Oh, crime scenes at uh, the mayor's house, dusting his patio door for fingerprints." Mm-hmm. You know, and it just goes to show how little resources they had and how unrealistic CSI was in, like, so many capacities. (laughs) It was so unreal. Like, even the fact that the the CSI team was the one that was always solving the crimes, like, I think a lot of people were confused. Like, they thought crime techs were cops. Right, because in CSI, the crime techs are doing
1: all of the interrogations. Yeah, which is not real life. No, they're, like, going to the arrest. They're getting into gunfights. Like, (laughs) anyway. I hated CSI. I know, you did. (laughs) So now that we've talked about technology from the side of the investigators, let's go to um, the other side, which is technology from the criminal's perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we see it evolve in almost real time from season one to season five, Um, D'Angelo you know, using payphones in season one. Yeah. And then by the time we get to around season three, then the, the hoppers are using like burner cell phones.
0: Yeah, and interestingly to me in terms of symbolism, I think the payphone was really representative of Avon's strict rule, old school, traditional, no flash, like do, just get in, get out, sell, buy for a dollar, sell for two, as Prop Joe says. Whereas Marlo, you know, is the younger, up-and-coming king, you know, with the burners, and, you know, he's the one that's more into tech. Yeah, absolutely. This payphone is kind of
1: interesting, because D'Angelo, being sort of the last generation that uses it, the payphone had been basically the same for probably 60 years before that. Mm -hmm. And it's only in this... Um, window of a few years that it starts accelerating really quickly into burner phones and then cell phones and eventually exactly. text messages.
0: Well, and this was still the era of the pager, which was a short-lived piece of yes, technology. I forgot. Yes, they use pagers, too. Yeah. Pagers, they exist for just a short time frame in the wire. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the with pagers, what was interesting is that they needed the code and there was this very sort of
1: um, yeah, I still don't understand the pager that well. Like it's the least streamlined technology to communicate. Yeah, I had a pager. I know you did. Before you were I... really into it. It was orange. Yeah, it was orange. It was the one Motorola. of
0: see-through orange Motorola pagers. And I think I got maybe like four pages ever in my life mm-hmm. because, uh, I lived at home. And I had a home phone, so anytime my high school boyfriend wanted to talk to me, which was the only person who ever paged me, he would just call the phone yeah, instead of paging me and then me calling him back. But now I feel like if I had been just a little bit older, maybe, maybe I would have really used a pager. Yeah. I, I mean, Heyman Lee and Adnan Syed used their pagers yeah, all the time. Yeah, they had pagers. So.
1: so, yeah, we see, you're right, the game evolves past the Barksdale crew and Mm Marlowe becomes the one to kind of lead this technological revolution in terms of selling drugs. Um, But let's think about what would it be like today? What would the Barksdale Mm -hmm. crew or the Marlowe crew, how would they cope with our current technology? Well,
0: I feel like for sure Avon's crew wouldn't be allowed really to have... Uh, well, but I mean, social media now is so ubiquitous. It would take so much, um, like, rule with an iron fist to prevent everyone in your gang or in your crew from mm-hmm. using social media. But you do hear about people getting caught on doing crimes because of social media. Yeah, because people are stupid. Yeah, or so, like, they're, like, Snapchatting themselves committing a crime or whatever. Um, it would almost be... Today, if
1: De'Angelo or the Barksdale crew was operating, they would almost be better to talk on the phone, yeah um, or talk in the car like I feel like that would now be the least likely place that an investigator would think like, oh, let's tap their house phone,
0: yeah, exactly, well, and like for sure, they wouldn't be text messaging and you know Facebook messaging and stuff because, yeah, an investigator would just have to go into your phone and look at and like the whole Crime could be spelled mm-hmm. out in your text messages or whatever. So I don't know. I almost, like, it's almost weird to think about if they were telling the story of the Wire, now, what would they do with social media? Like, you couldn't just ignore it altogether. But, like,
1: what well, what what do this is something we've touched on before, is that the Wire, it wouldn't exist today. Yeah. And even, I mean, CSI continues to go on and I feel like it's so past its expiration date. Yeah, um, it's very
0: stale. Yeah. Well, because like, I think at the time when they first came out, all that tech was super revolutionary, but we actually like, I don't know about crime scene tech now, but it either just seems outlandish now or like, like how many times are we going to watch you light up super glue? Well, exactly. And,
1: um, Chuck Klosterman, who's one of my favorite writers, he kind of makes this point about film and says that film being one of the slowest mediums mm. in terms of art production is kind of the last comment on its its period in time that it is made. Oh. Um, and maybe television's kind of similar in that way. So by the time CSI, you know, the end of the season reaches us, they're already... Six months behind what's current. That's true. Um, Yeah. And so maybe The Wire has that advantage in terms of they go back to that original detective story, crime fiction, motive. Mm -hmm. um, Just true, good old motive, interrogation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And there's been other crime shows since then, but they haven't really. Well, speaking of technology, here's a great
1: example Criminal Minds. Yeah, I hate Criminal Minds. I used to
0: like it. I used to like it too. I and haven't watched it in a long. Time. I
1: don't like it anymore, and the reason why is because every single episode would end with Garcia, the mm-hmm. computer gal. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly, just like finding something in a database and solving the case. Yeah, and it's yeah. like in the last five minutes, Garcia calls up Derek Morgan and goes. I found it. He like lives at such and such and he you know Yeah, has, and he, it's
0: like he has like one obscure detail about his past that she dug up in a computer database and that's what cracks the case. Yeah. And I think in time, watching that
1: kind of technology play out over and over again on screen is not interesting. It's right. more interesting to see character like McNulty, yes. Freeman, Presbeliski. Like that's yes. more interesting.
0: And I think something that CSI and Criminal Minds have in common that makes them very different from The Wire is that they followed a formula and there was always a conclusion at the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. So where Breaking Bad can be put in the category of The Wire where it was not formulaic in that way and the episodes were cliffhangers and Mm -hmm. like it did really delve deep whereas like I mean, we know a little bit about the personal lives of the CSI crew and the Criminal Minds crew, but not really very much. Yeah, it's, it's,
1: it's kind of the A, B, C plot. You know, you have the A story, which is the major crime, and then maybe there's the B story, something going on with Sarah and Grissom, and then they have the C story, which is, you know, maybe they got a new piece of lab equipment, and we might see that again in three weeks. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's very repetitive.
0: Yeah. I don't know. What do you, so do you think Marlowe would embrace tech today? Like, do you think his crew would all be on Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook Live?
1: No, I don't think so. I think they're so low profile. Because remember, Marlo would just only meet people standing
0: in the park. Yeah, that's true. He didn't even, he was he didn't even really, well he had a phone but he didn't talk business on his no. phone either.
1: He was only like talk business in open air.
0: Yeah, it does say something <laughs> about us that we're like Wondering how criminal enterprises carried out today. Like obviously there are drug dealers today. Right. I you know. We're like and so removed from it, we're like, how does it happen? Definitely, there's
1: you know there's drugs in Baltimore, there's drugs in Ottawa, and these things are are going on around us.
0: But yeah, I don't <laughs> <I> know <laughs> the first thing about and it. And <laughs> I don't know what they're doing with their social media, except that I know that if I put in like to Kijiji like you know looking for drugs I think I would be in trouble yeah now that does though in my mind bring up an interesting point about season two about the the girls and the selling of women I mean I think that technology has certainly made that much easier
1: in with, terms of solvability, with like back
0: back pages oh
1: yes Craigslist Craig's List, KGG tons of sites it's it's a lot easier to traffic Human beings, yeah, now, I think,
0: yeah, like McNulty would have never had to make the phone call with the code and all that. He could have just gone onto back pages, you know. Yeah, typed in, in, typed something in, and you know, gotten in.
1: Exactly. In, so exactly. timely uh, for today, when we're recording this, is that just yesterday Congress voted to let internet service providers sell browsing history, and that has been blowing up on Twitter and elsewhere. Um, so that's a major advancement in terms of. Technology and the ability to investigate. Yeah. Um, and kind of a major infringement of privacy, I would say.
0: Well, yeah. And it makes me think of the scene, I believe it's in season two where Rhonda Perlman and Lieutenant Daniels are trying to get the phone records for the Greeks so that they can see what's going on and mm-hmm. and they know that there's criminal conspiracy but at that time the internet service provider, Verizon, or I, I don't know who it is exactly, but it's a cell phone service. They don't have to give them anything and they're saying, you know, it's an infringement on our client's privacy and, you know, they have to go through this whole rigmarole to get access to the Greek uh, text messages, mm-hmm. and then they finally do, and they're all in Greek, which is hilarious. Right, so. yeah. Yeah, they're... like in Cyrillic or something, I don't there's
1: know. There's an ongoing tension in the wire, and just in general, in the world, between in investigating something thoroughly and also not infringing on civilian privacy.
0: Yeah, Um uh,
1: totally. And another reason why CSI just doesn't have that depth is they don't get anywhere near that, I don't think.
0: No, not at all. They just
1: have... Access to whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess Criminal Minds kind of does in that it's always Garcia who's like digging through. But yeah. I mean, to me, her setup seems so fictionalized anyway. Like, there's, you know, 14 monitors and she's like got all this automated stuff happening where she's just tracking people. I don't know. It doesn't seem realistic to no, me.
1: No, none of it seems realistic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have such
1: strong <laughs> opinions about shows that aren't the wire. <laughs> Well, there are new advancements being made in terms of um keeping a a balance, I would say between power on the civilian side, power on the investigation side um and one of those that you mentioned is body cameras, dash cameras yeah, um and maybe that's something that's important, you know, the more documentation and and um Accountability accountability that you have, the better.
0: Yeah, which yeah, it's about transparency and accountability. I think yeah. I mean, when we think about what's happened in the American states uh, in the last you know few years, and even in Canada to to some degree as well, would Herc and Carver have been able to get away with their basically like police brutality? Especially, I'm thinking of that one of the very first scenes where Presbo cold cocks the kid. Yes. Such a, well, it's a hard scene to watch, but it's an important scene.
1: And then Daniel's saying who cold cocked the kid. Yeah. And then Prez says he pissed me off. And then Daniel said, no officer Prez he did not piss you off. He made you feel fear for your safety and that of your fellow officers. Exactly. So you hit him with your baton, not your, not the butt of your service weapon. And that was a really eye-opening scene. Just how deeply that thin blue line goes. Exactly. I mean, Daniels doesn't even like Presblesky. Exactly. But he will. He will step in and make sure that there's no. Yeah. Trouble. He even says to them, "Practice." Yeah, practice. If you mess this up I with ID. internal affairs, I yeah. can't help you. Exactly. Um, and yeah, so and body cams, dash cams. Those are, uh, I think, important pieces of technology. Well, and forward. even
0: even thinking about you know some of those scenes. You know, and now if that cold cock scene had happened, all somebody would have to do is open up their Facebook Live and yeah. just start live streaming it. Um Or, you know, some of the, the police brutality, like just if body cameras were a thing that the uh, Baltimore police were having to participate in back then, you know, how, how would policing look?
1: Well, and how would it affect their resourcing? I mean, remember in Season 5 when... They can't pay out their overtime, and then they also say, "You know, no advancements on the cars. The cars stay in the condition they're in. There's only one car to go around. yeah, um what do they do when they have to start paying for things that uh in increase accountability? Yeah, it's an interesting question.
0: There's also been some other uh really interesting advances in terms like there's I was reading about these smart guns, which only will fire through fingerprint i d so you know, benefit is like kids aren't accidentally shooting their brothers and sisters or parents with their parents' guns. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, like the downside is yeah, the downside is that then comes. when
1: somebody needs to use it in an emergency and they can't, then yeah, you know, why is it there in the first place? I can barely get my Touch ID to work when I get out of the shower. Well, same. If my <laughs> hands are like remotely cold, I can't open my phone. So. <laughs> i don't really i don't I don't know I mean we don't even have guns in Canada really so <laughs>
0: um anyway so so yeah, so I think policing now the resources, even still of a of a low income city police department it just would be so different in terms of civilian oversight and accountability, and the measures that you know imagine. Imagine, like, Bodie could tweet about the experience that he had with the police. Yeah, you know? Um, and,
1: I mean, if, if it becomes mandatory, you know, you find the money. Alright, so we'd like to hear from our audience, all of our wonderful listeners, whether you prefer that slick tech, technological investigative approach a la CSI Criminal Minds, or if you like the old-fashioned detective novels.
0: True detective, yeah.
1: True detective novels, um, whodunit mysteries, and where do you see technology playing a role in The Wire?
0: Yeah, so you can hit us up on Twitter at Rewired Podcast, or you can email us podcast.rewired at gmail.com. Thanks so much for your feedback this last week. Uh, If you're listening to S Town, let us know what you think too. So I'm only one episode in, but it's pretty good. The guy's pretty nutty. I haven't started it yet, but I look forward to it. So tell us what you think about that. You know, just tell us, tell us all your thoughts. Yeah, we
1: uh, we love getting tweets, and it's it's been so wonderful having these uh, conversations with you all.
0: Also, this is episode ten. We're doing twelve seasons this, or sorry, twelve episodes this season. So if you're interested in a season two, we got a couple of pitches this week about other episodes that we could do. So let us know if you want to see season two come. We make this podcast using Opinion App. And it is edited, written, researched, produced by Bailey Reed and Kelly Reed. And our theme music is by Flo Florg. And you can find that on SoundCloud as a remix of Tom Waits' Way Down in the Hole. All right. We'll see you next week. Way Down in the Hole.